What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Respect my authority, or at least that is what Warren Ellis would like you to do. He'd like you to respect, enjoy, whatever his, well, it's not new now, but to a 19-year-old Mark Clare, this was a new and old, a new and old book that launched in 1999, The Authority from Warren Ellis. We're going to be looking at that today, but this would be no fun to just read on my own, rant about on my own, as I often do behind the paywall on Patreon on a show called What Mark Missed, but this is not that show. This is the Second Print Comics Podcast. It is Wednesday. That means I'm here with my partner in comic book crime, the rambling one himself, Ramza Martinez. What's up? Mark, I love doing these Warren Ellis episodes because I don't think there's one writer who, by the way, love his stuff, deeply respect his stuff. But as I looked back at our catalog and saw the last couple Warren Ellis episodes that we did, I've given him some of the lowest scores and I've given mm-hmm. him some of the highest scores. So I'm in- what other we did the other Stormwatch Warren Ellis, which I think you didn't rank. I think you ranked. I don't know. I don't know. I was going to make something up. I don't remember. I gave that one pretty low on story and art. Uh, then we did, ironically, I think it was like one or two episodes later, we did his uh, Invincible Iron Man. Oh, right. Yes. Well, yeah, that we gave it. That got an SBC 20. We both gave yeah. that a 10. That was phenomenal. That that became like the new gold standard for a while. So yeah. you've got the bet. The, well, I consider because you still gave a pretty decent score. I consider him like the lowest lows and the highest highs. Interesting. Well, we'll see which one this is for you today because the authority so first of all if you haven't listened i think it was oh help me i, I want to say it's like episode 16 no it's episode 25 okay I yonder was, back whatever. whatever we did warn now this is back when i was insane i'm still insane some would argue but when i had no i had no restraints on the number of issues i would try to recap so i think it was something like 14 issues of warren ellis's Stormwatch that i recapped it well i had to get a bottle and piss into it 
<laughs> I'm looking at it right now. This episode was... I can't guarantee we'll never have an episode this long again, but we'll never plan to have an episode this long again. It's one of our longest episodes, two hours and 13 minutes. In fact, it might be our longest episode. Holy it might actually shit. be the longest episode ever. Two hours and 13 minutes. It's rare we crack the two hour mark. I'm just doing a quick scan. It's our longest Didn't episode. Didn't we do that like a month ago? Well, yeah, yeah, the 1602, we did two hours, one minute. I have the iTunes pulled up so I can see all the, all the times. Uh, yeah, that was the closest we got was uh, the medieval Marvel from Neil Gaiman. The 1602 episode a few weeks ago was two hours, one minute. But that one. God, could, could you have imagined what would have happened if we did Crisis on Infinite Earths in one show? Dude, even if we did 1602 in one show, that, that two hours, <laughs> that two hours was four issues. I mean, that'd be a four hour show. Be like doing weird science times at this point here. But uh, now we have we have since you know reined it in a little bit. We try not to do more than you know four to six issues in an episode. Hey, oh, wow. Know, mix either of those. Wow. Ones, better, huh? I've been Golf practicing. Clap. I'm like in front of the mirror, like Ron Burgundy issues, episodes, issues, episodes, issues, episodes. Um, but anyway, this is a relaunch of sorts in a way or spinoff, whatever you want to call it of Warren Ellis's Stormwatch. And towards the end of that Warren Ellis Stormwatch run, uh, Brian Hitch came on as the artist and basically the behind the scenes here is Stormwatch was not selling well. It did not do well. They gave it to Warren Ellis as kind of a latch ditch. Like, Hey, Warren Ellis, why don't we put him on this book that no one fucking reads? Um, I think Warren Ellis did turn the book around creatively. Like, I think it is a much better book than it was prior to that, where it was just your typical, you know, image. Hey, there's superpowers. There's bad guys. There's aliens shooting at each other. Not much to it. Warren Ellis did for better or for worse, did add a lot of depth to this book. A lot of characters added a lot of the political intrigue and drama and such. So I think he didn't prove the book creatively, but he did not approve the book sales wise. The, the sales of Stormwatch did not even budge when Warren Ellis was the writer. In fact, he's even since said the only reason they kept that book running is because the guys in the Wildstorm office liked Warren Ellis and wanted to keep him working and liked reading the book. But they, but everyone knew it, it wasn't selling and didn't matter. And that is why ultimately they did wrap up the first Stormwatch run with uh, with issue 50. But Warren Ellis... He wanted to do something better. He wanted to do something that did sell, that did actually have staying power because he wasn't satisfied to just be a charity case. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't want to just be kept on uh, because the guys in the office like reading the book. He wanted to make a book that other people would want to read. And I think to do that, they had to shed they had to shed the storm watch. They had to shed the whole thing and they had to, to, had to launch it from a new. So that is the, the behind the scenes origin of the authority book. Um, Around the same time, I believe it was January of 99, the deal was finalized. This is around when DC Comics purchased Wildstorm from Jim Lee. So this authority book, you know, it's, it's technically under like Wildstorm Productions because it was still owned by DC. But if you look on the cover, there's no hint of Wildstorm. It just says DC. So this is the authority under DC Comics, which is funny because I, I was reading this book. I don't know if I just didn't know, you know, the behind the scenes, but I was reading this book, you know, to the... I, this was like the last book that I was still reading. It was this and Savage Dragon when I stopped reading comics around like 2002 or so. So I was reading The Authority and Savage Dragon. I honestly think those are the only two books I was regularly picking up. I can't remember that I that this was from DC. Like, I don't have any recollection of it. Um, I, I just maybe I just didn't care. But it, didn't, and it never felt like a DC book. You know, it still felt like an image book. But technically, with this launch, uh, authority number one, this was a DC Comics book. So before we dive in, Remzo. What's your thoughts on the authority prior to this? Had you read this run before I shoveled it down your gullet? No, really, my my only exposure to the authority has been through television. There there was um, 
There, there was, there was somebody, a Thrawn TV show? Well, no, they, they had some of the characters pop in and out of Smallville. And recently, some, really? somebody popped in and out of, I think Manchester Black was in a few seasons of Supergirl. Manchester Black is a, an authority parody. Create not parody, but maybe homage. Manchester Black was created by War, uh, Grant Morrison, and it was supposed to be a take on the Authority. But Manchester Black is not part of the Authority. I mean, he's a part. He's a part of Superman and the Authority, so that might be why that's a little confusing. Because I think that's why. Because I, I also know yeah. that you and a bunch of our listeners really liked that book, and that's why they're currently reading the current run of uh, of Action Comics because it basically yeah. continued that. I'm waiting for that to get on Hoopla, and then I'm then I will read it as well. Yeah, I think it was that, and then there was the Superman and the Authority animated film that was okay, but I think uh, I don't I don't think I ever read any of them before this. Well. That's why we have this podcast, Remzo, to get us reading the stuff that we may have never gotten around to reading. And we are now going to get around to reading The Authority Number 1. But first, I almost forgot to take care of the business and that business. I don't know why I just got some weird old, like, Southern that business here. You're here now, you see this business we're going to be taking care of. The business is, don't forget to follow us anywhere and everywhere, at Second Print Pod. You can find us on Twitter, at Second Print Pod. You can find us on Instagram, at Second Print Pod. And you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash secondprintpod, where you get all sorts of bonus content. You get early access to every single episode. You get shows like What Mark Missed, where I am currently valiantly, bravely going through the toughest part of the Ultimate Fantastic Four run. Um, let's just say my, my pace has slowed down a little bit as my enthusiasm has slowed down. Uh, you can also get the Moon Knight recaps from Renzo and a friend, Derek Franz. Uh, and pretty soon, it's getting closer every day. You combine Caleb Franz and Derek Gordon. Did I say Derek Franz? I just said Derek Franz. <laughs> Caleb I'm like, Franz, they're right, a super yeah. person now. They're pretty much one person. Basically. Anyway. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah, so uh, get all that stuff over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash secondprintpod. You can even, at higher levels, produce episodes of the show. Get on monthly calls with Mark and Remzo. Mark and Remzo. Why am I in the third person? With Remzo and I, etc. We are et all Mark so and, and Remzo. Yes, we are Mark and Remzo. We should start a cult. Now, now that's what we we have. What is a basically. what are podcasts if not glorified cults? Let's be honest. Essentially, yeah, cults with audio editing basically is what podcasts are. Uh, we move into now the authority. This is a story called Full Circle. A nice, clean four issues. Thank you very much, Mister Ellis, for keeping this one tight. But uh, again, this is Warren Ellis and artist Brian Hitch. What are your thoughts on Brian Hitch? Because I really I did enjoy his art on Stormwatch. And I think I've usually enjoyed Brian Hitch art. Never enjoyed Brian Hitch the writer. So my my peak Brian Hitch is when he was with uh, Mark Millar over on the Ultimates. I, I, I think he's kind of gotten into a weird position because starting out and, and I like his artwork. I really did not like his stuff on the previous Stormwatch book that we covered. But that's only because that was when he started drawing and it, he hadn't really worked it into his own style yet. And, it, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's kind of similar here, only because of the proximity and time and stuff like that. Whereas him in like the mid 2000s, he was an all star. He did get kind of I, I will say I'm not going to say sloppy, 
But over the past four or five years, I'll say that the quality of his stuff has just not been up to par. And this is like super in the weed shit. So I apologize for getting into the minutia. But when the Infinite Frontier limited series came out and he put out a alternate cover with Superman, Calvin Ellis, he gave him like this giant receding hairline and he also messed up the distance in his eyes so people were making fun of him basically saying that you have an old baby (laughs) or an extremely young grandpa like a prematurely aged black superman where you can't tell whether he's barack obama or uncle ben from the rice box and what made it worse was that a lot of people from DC were like, well, you know, we had to rush it out and you put, you know, Brian was put in a, in a rough position. So basically that was their polite way of saying, yeah, it's not good. And then Brian Hitch got really mad and he started calling people out and getting in the fights with people and he blocked a bunch of people. And long story short, it's still kind of a downward spiral. So it's a, it's, it's a weird relationship I have with this stuff. I love some of his stuff, but some of his other stuff before his ultimates run. And after that is just kind of scattered in quality. That's probably more than what you wanted, but it's what you're getting. Well, it it remains to be seen how you will judge uh, this iteration of Brian Hitch. So stay tuned to the end of this episode where we'll find out, but we go into authority number one. We start with a big page where we just see the earth, the old earth, with a caption saying, they think there's no one left to save the world. So just a recap for those of you who have not gone back, but you should pause right now and go take the two hours and 13 minutes to listen to, listen to episode 25. Uh, and then you can, you'll kind of be caught up to where we are with these characters. But basically, Stormwatch was the UN-sponsored, uh, basically, watchers of earth run by this madman henry bendix uh in that last episode damn it i did it it's been so long you did so well i know in that last issue uh stormwatch number 50 a bunch of crazy shit happened a bunch of characters died henry bendix died uh and and stormwatch was effectively shut down it no longer exists as we head into the authority number one here so we start off in moscow this little old russian lady is uh walking along and we see these streaks in the sky suddenly the next page boom huge explosion we see buildings blowing up we see laser beams everywhere and these dudes who all have the same circle with three they're just these dudes all in black they all look exactly the same um and they're all just shooting lasers from their eyes and destroying everything burning people alive uh just causing absolute mayhem and destruction completely destroying the city of mass moscow without any dialogue on on these two pages before i get into the story what did you think of this this start where not a single word is uttered we just see moscow destroyed by these these like asian supermen basically and then and then and then we move on it, it certainly gives you that feeling where it's like what the hell did i just see so uh, it, it, it caught my attention it, 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 it <laughs> caught my attention pretty immediately it's like starting a movie immediately with like 9-11 no context <laughs> it's like oh this is where we're at okay oh it's nice we can laugh laugh i'm not laughing about 9-11 i'm laughing at the joke anyway moving along we head to new york city where we see our old friends from the old store watch 
Christine Trelane and what's his damn name? Uh, Jackson. Yeah, Jackson Hyde. Jackson Hyde and Christine Trelane, who are already not, they are superheroes, but they were already acting in a, sort of a managerial role last we saw them in Stormwatch. And now they are basically reduced to working desk jobs at the UN. And they're talking about what went on. They're like, man, we don't even have a Stormwatch now. Like, this, these guys just destroyed Moscow. This seems like a problem. What the fuck are we going to do? He's just like, and, um, you know, uh, Jackson Hyde is saying there's no one left to stop them. Even Jenny Sparks and Stor- the Stormwatch Black team. So Jenny Sparks, um, all of Stormwatch Black survived the, the destruction of Stormwatch 50 because J- Jenny Sparks, Jack Hawksmore, and I think Swift were part of Stormwatch Black. They were the team that wasn't supposed to exist. They were like the the Black Ops covert team. So they all they all made it out of this, out of this thing alive. I believe Midnight or Apollo might have been a part of that team as well. Um, so yeah, all those guys survived. It was basically basically the newer characters survived, and all the old ones, most of the old ones that were carryovers from the original Image Stormwatch, those are the ones that died. So none of that was coincidental at all. Uh, so yeah, they're talking about all this stuff, and before they know it, see a little zap, in appears. The spirit of the 20th century herself, Jenny Sparks. Remso, are you a fan of Jenny Sparks? I've just always loved this character for whatever reason. I think I said she was she was cool. Yeah. She's cool. I dig her. She had a cool origin story. Wears a British t-shirt and a, a white, you know, pantsuit. She's looking looking spiffy. She doesn't need to tell anyone that she's cool. She's just kind of no, got she that. Doesn't. She's got that attitude. She's got that vibe. Exactly. She, I mean, look, the chick appears out of electricity sockets and she's usually, it doesn't look like she is here. She usually pops out smoking a cigarette. So she always looks pretty damn cool. And she doesn't really say anything. She just, well, she just, she just says we were somewhere else when they hit Moscow. It won't happen again. Tell me everything, you know? So some of these characters are still around, still watching over things, but unfortunately they, they couldn't really help in Moscow. We then go to a place called Gamora Island. I'm going to guess you don't remember Gamora Island. Cause this was, this is a deep cut. You'd have to go to the to the beginning of um of that episode, that Stormwatch episode. But uh in that series, Warren Ellis had an issue where like basically the theme of that series was that Henry Bendix was um really being heavy-handed and like a lot of the stuff he was doing as leader of Stormwatch was extremely morally questionable. And one thing he did was have the members of Stormwatch in retaliation to a terrorist attack by this guy, Kazen Gamora, he had the members of Stormwatch go to Gamora Island and cause and create a massacre. I mean, they murdered 200 Gamoran civilians. This is, this happened in the pages of uh, the Stormwatch book by Warren Ellis. Uh, so now we are circling back to that. We are on Gamora Island and we see this guy, Ka- Kaizen Gamora, who he basically looks like Fu Manchu. Uh, I think that's all we really need to say. He's got, he's the stereotypical Asian villain. He has the mustache, has the it's eyes. It's problematic. Uh, I, yes. He's very, <laughs> he's very problematic. He's so is, problematic. Is um and uh yeah and he he is just giving a little uh soliloquy here he's saying um you know 70 years ago the brothers gamora were stop 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 you have to do it in the stereotype voice no i come on i don't want to do that we did the gongs for lady shiva we need to double down for that internet clout should I do gongs for Kazen Gamora? 70 years ago, the brothers Gamora were born into Perugia. By the age of 10, the brothers Gamora ran, it's qu- how quickly I could be turned racist, uh, <laughs> ran their village. By 16, they ran the country. By 18, they had remade Perugia as an island factory for terror. And by 20, I had killed my brothers, Sum and Y. But I remember, and I honor them by retaining the symbol we used in the old days, the circle with three knots. In the old days, it was a 
thin leather bracelet that served as a symbol worn to identify the creatures of the Brothers Gamora. Today it is a smooth corporate logo. The meaning is the same. Anything marked with the Gamora circle belongs to the clan Gamora, and I am not going to continue trying to do this accent because it's hurting my throat. But this is basically where they got the idea of the Mandarin (laughs) in Iron Man 3. That's almost exactly what this is, yeah. (laughs) Down to down to everything, including my my bad impression. Uh, but yeah, basically what he wants to do is he takes he's taking this symbol and this symbol. It's these three dots in a circle, and the symbol, whatever is on this symbol, you know, according to this Gamora guy, you own is a symbol that is owned by the Gamora clan. So what he's trying to do here is he is trying to own the Earth by putting this symbol on the Earth, and the three dots are three major cities. Um, so we, the reader, knows this. You know, the the authority has to figure that out. But Man, that's, that's this basically is so problematic. <laughs> this is very problematic. And yeah, and we see him uh, surrounded by all, all these same guys that we saw before. These uh, these black suited fellas. They look like the uh, yeah, they look like the suit that uh, Superman wore when he came back. The, the black regeneration suit, suit. The regeneration suit. Yeah, they're wearing suits, regeneration suits only with this uh, circle and dot symbol instead of the Superman symbol. And basically, this this is a very classic villain in the sense that he has no origin like that you could ever sympathize with. Like, it's not like a, a he's a foreigner. So we know that he's evil. He's just, he's just evil. Cause he's not from this country. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, we talked, we did our favorite villains episode and like, I, at least for me, my favorite villains are ones that they're only a villain because, you know, because of who they're against. But like, you know, you could, you could make the argument, you could be sympathetic to them like a Magneto, like a Dr. Doom, um, a robot even, uh, but this is not that kind of villain. This is a villain who is purely evil and he doesn't, he doesn't commit terrorist acts because he has some goal or he has some demand. No, he commits terrorist terrorism. Be, he commits terrorist acts. He commits terrorism because, because that's the reward. The reward is the terror. He is just a villain straight up, man. George Bush would love this guy. <laughs> Guys and Gamora, you are either with us or you are against us. And we go back to New York where Jenny is uh, chatting with uh, Christine and Jackson Hyde. And uh, this is basically picking up right where we were before. Christine is like, Jenny Sparks, what, what is all this? How did you get here? She's like, she's like, I'm fucking Jenny Sparks, bitch. I travel through electricity. You know how I get here. Uh, but she basically says, yeah, Stormwatch may be gone, but there, she's British too. I don't have to do a British. Stormwatch may be gone, but there is a... Stop, stop. We've already to- lost half the audience. <laughs> We've already lost the Asians and now we're going to lose the Brits. Uh, <laughs> is half our audience Asian? Not anymore. But I can't do British. I, every time I try, it's Australian. The quarter Asian part of me is very offended. I hope so. But there is still a way to stop these bastards before it's too late for everyone. But you'll have to give me your intel on this. So she's basically going to these guys that she that are that she's old old friends with for help on this. And she's and Jackson's like, who's going to stop them, Jenny? What what have you been up to here? She says, well, friends, I've got friends. You know, when you put me and the the rest of Stormwatch Black team into hiding, we decided not to be idle. Me, Jack Hawksmore, Shen Li Min, who is swift, we started talking to people. Now, are you going to give me all your intel on the Moscow incident or not? So they do. They're like, yeah, whatever. And she just says the word door. And and uh, and Jackson's like, who's going to stop them, Jenny? And he sa- she says, a higher authority as she walks through this door. And we go right to the next scene where she is walking out through that door, uh, which seemingly teleported to her to this place, the carrier. She is in the carrier junction room. Where she meets up with our old friends, Jack Hawksmore. Jack Hawksmore. Hawksmore. What do you remember about Jack Hawksmore? Anyway, anything? He doesn't wear shoes. I'll tell you that. He can phase through stuff. 
Kenny? I don't, I don't yes, know. I don't think, I think so. That, I think it's somebody else. But, <laughs> but uh, Jack Hawksmore is a pretty unique character. He feeds on cities like he feels he feels the city like his his power comes from cities and comes from being around like a lot of people and if he any and if he's away from a city he loses his powers so just an interesting yeah i don't remember shit about this guy (laughs) yeah he wears a trench coat and doesn't wear shoes that jack that's jack hawksmore uh swift is a former tibetan monk who has wings and flies around and jenny is jenny so they are there uh in the carrier and Jenny's just basically uh, laying out what they're doing here. She's like, you know, how did it go with them? Uh, Hawksmore's like, how did it go? And she's like, well, expe- as expected, but I got the information we needed. And uh, Swift is like, well, we didn't really need it, Jenny. Not with the engineer and the doctor. Now, there was an engineer and a doctor in the old Stormwatch. We'll meet them in a bit. These are not the same engineers and doctors. Um, Jenny Spark says, we needed Christine and Jackson to believe we needed them because when all bloody hell breaks loose and it's going to, we will need them. So she's like, I don't need them now for this thing we're going to do. We can deal with these, these, uh, you know, Superman clone guys, this Kaizen Gamora, this problematic villain. We can deal with that. But someday so we're going to need them. So. Yeah. So let's, let's build the bridge now, basically. Uh, and then we go and we go back to... She sends, uh, you know, Hawksmore off to do a little intel on uh, in Moscow and Hawksmore gets to Moscow and uh, they they all teleport through. They just say door and this carrier thing opens a door and they go where the fuck they want. So it's quite, it's quite convenient. And um, Hawksmore sees this symbol on the wreckage and it's that same symbol that we've seen. It's the, the three dots in the circle. And, and Hawksmore's like, oh, this is their mark, isn't it? The people who did this. And he he can feel this thing and he says i haven't seen residual radiation like that since the days of writing Stormwatch transfer phase the good old days the good the original warren ellis run uh we then go and we see jenny sparks uh who is talking to our new engineer our brand new engineer who goes by the name of angela Spica. and basically the summary with her is the old engineer uh when he died his like last act was to send this engineer this other person angela speaker all his information about this nanotechnology and what have you and she just downloaded that shit absorbed it into her body and now she has powers and she has nano metal blood and that is the short origin of the engineer here that's hot we then also meet this new doctor who is called the shaman and so what we learn here too is that the earth always has a doctor a doctor is like the a title that it, that is always passed down uh so this we we do actually see him meeting with the other doctor that we knew from the Stormwatch, the previous Stormwatch series. It's this is kind of like the uh, the ancestral plane in Wakanda. You know, he's he's meeting. This is basically Black Panther. But, you know, so he's he's talking to the last version of the doctor that is basically uh, the Earth shaman there to protect the Earth from uh, all sorts of extraterrestrial, not extraterrestrial, but extra dimensional, spiritual, demonic type stuff. Basically, uh, so yeah, they, so that that is uh, yeah, th- those are basically the replacement characters for the dead engineer and the dead doctor. It's new shaman, this guy with these uh, rose colored glasses, former junkie um former maybe current junkie he looks pretty stoned in this and the new engineer angela Spica. did you ever read i'm curious did you ever read maybe it was like three or four years ago even that they warren ellis they actually brought him in to do and to launch it was supposed to be a new Wildstorm line um but i think all they ever had was a they had a book called the wild storm that lasted 24 issues which i really did enjoy there was one spinoff like the michael cray spinoff and then that just ended but i really enjoyed it i was actually i was ready to like make this my line because i was digging that one you ever did you ever catch a sniff of that one you know it's so weird i remember seeing a few blogs about it through comicbookresources.com and i saw it on the stands 
DC did very little promo for it. It's like they they you know, they let people know it was out, but they didn't really want to promote it. And you see that in comic lines where it's like they're like contractually obligated to put out the books, but then the PR team does as little as possible to actually promote them. Interesting. Well, that ended up going nowhere, but I did really enjoy that that book, The Wildstorm. Anyway, kind of like Ultimate Fantastic Four. Oh, that's so much better than well. <laughs> depends on which. Don't get me there now. To learn my thoughts about Ultimate Fantastic Four, Patreon.com/slash/secondprintpod. But Angela Spica, that version of the engineer, is a pretty prominent prominent character in that version. Basically, brings all these characters back, but they're you know they're totally new, uh, you know, totally new characters. Um, we then see a couple other familiar faces: Apollo and the Midnighter. I'm going to let you take this one, Remzo. You can do this. What can you tell me about Apollo and the Midnighter? They're my favorite gay couple. <laughs> in real life and fictionally yeah basically they're gay batman and superman that, that's who they are honestly they're so cool they're so awesome. <laughs> they're so cool they're, they're really cool <laughs> these are two dudes that like they go off and do cool ass shit and they come home these guys ain't cuddling they're giving it hard. they are this is not <laughs> dark knights man of steel <laughs> Definitely my favorite gay fictional couple. I'd have to think further. I don't want to insult gay couples I know in real life, but you know, these these guys are badass. I'm just going to put it this way. Years later, when Apollo is viciously sexually assaulted, what Midnighter did to the man who did that to him has gone down as one of the most violent scenes in all of comic book history. And it was so fucking awesome. What book did that appear in? So here's what's like always confusing about these Wildstorm characters now when it comes to DC Comics. DC owns them so they can do whatever they want with them. It's like sometimes they have their own line. Like this started off as their own line. But then sometimes they're like, oh, we own these characters. Let's make them part of DC. And I think when they redid, um, when the new 52 came out, they had a new Stormwatch series that had yeah, like for, some of forget these characters. That, forget that series ever existed because I did yeah, collect yeah. that. And after also three had March and Manhunter in it. Yeah, it was bad. Like the, it, it's, yeah. it's in no one's continuity. It's barely recognized in new 52 continuity. But Apollo and Midnighter, they never, I don't think they, they, they've had a, titled together but a majority of their stories took place in like the authority or their comics i think it's an i think it's this authority run where we're gonna have the infamous scene where apollo is depowered and kidnapped and you know victimized that way and midnighter finds out and midnighter does some like shit that the Punisher wouldn't even do. I do kind of recall this. So yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely not in the issues we're looking at today, but you know, this, by the way, the authority goes on forever. Like there, this is actually just a 12 issue run by Warren Ellis, but we get a Mark Millar run. We get a Grant Morrison run. I think there are, there are four volumes of the authority. So they kept bringing this book back. So I, I imagine it was selling decently because they always, this was one of the first really mature lines to come out from one of the big two. Mm-hmm. Indeed, but anyway, Apollo and Midnighter, our favorite badass couple, um, are walking through the halls of the carrier, and uh, Midnighter's basically just saying, you know, we can't deal with things on this scale. For God's sake, we spent five years working the alleyways of America. We go from that to this to hell with this. And Jenny Sparks, we should never have listened. Never brought Apollo and the Midnighter out of retirement. And and Apollo says, retirement, my ass. We are Apollo and the Midnighter. And if this his ass is right, and if this seems big, well then we just have to grow up. So yeah, a couple 
bickering in their own way. Uh, we then get like a huge splash page where we finally get to see the carrier and the carrier is massive. It is this moving, it, the carrier is moving downward through the Davakianic realm at a speed of 25 dreams per second. <laughs> that is, that is nice. a, a, a speed I have never heard before. 25 dreams per second. And this is basically this like interdimensional spaceship thing and they, they kind of, they'll talk about it more going on it's a really it's a really weird thing but essentially this thing operates towards the edge of the bleed and the bleed is a concept that is still exists in the dc universe the bleed is basically the wall that separates um various uh different dimensions and alternate realities and what have you so these guys could basically go fucking anywhere. I think this is actually touched on in, uh, I think there was part of that war and Ellis run. We looked at where they had to battle uh, this other, this alternate reality earth. And then they went through the bleed thing, blah, 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 whatever time passes on. And we go back to uh, the mission, the carrier's mission control room where Angelina, uh, Angelina, where Angela Spica is um, basically just analyzing some data here as engineers often do. And they're talking about how Jack saw the residue of, of the teleportation effect in Moscow. Uh, so the, you know, this carrier is able to sense, uh, sense that same radiation about when it's about to appear essentially. So they figure out that there's about to be another, teleportation thing opening above London. So they don't quite get there in time, but they realize something's going on. The same thing is going down in London. So we head over to London. Sure enough, these same motherfuckers. There is just so much destruction here. We see big Ben, good old big Ben, not the football player. The tower goes down, gets destroyed. And here come these Asian Superman uh, dot circle guys, just destroying everyone, killing everyone with lasers. But this time, Mm -mm. this time they face a little resistance because in flies motherfucking Apollo he rages in there and starts kicking some Superman-esque ass of his own Apollo the Sun King and we're sort of re being reintroduced to our characters here the Midnighter Night's Bringer of War I really like these in these uh, nicknames the Engineer the Maker that's kind of a lame one. The doctor, the shaman, Jack Hawksmore, the god of the cities. And as we see Jack Hawksmore, he's literally punching one of these guys' faces off and his eye is exploding from his face as his jaw falls apart. This panel is crazy. Swift, the winged huntress, and of course, our leader, Jenny Sparks, the spirit of the 21st century. They kick ton of a, a ton of ass and Jenny just says, game over as we finish the first issue with a splash page of this new, brand new authority. Ramzo, what do you think of the authority? What do you think of them more importantly compared to the Stormwatch team? I, I like the lineup a lot more. I think uh, you've got enough differences to make them all stand out, but they all kind of complement each other in a different way. Just the whole way the issue was done. Like, I, I don't remember really liking how the other one was introduced, but this um, this intro is a first issue. Like, it's it, it's really good. I dig it. Yeah. So we head into issue two. And, uh, you know, they kick some ass, but there's still like a billion of these fucking, you know, Superman clone guys fighting around. So they got to get back into battle. They get a little com link by. So basically, Angela, Angela Spica sends this little nano insect into each of their heads. And now they can all talk to each other. So that, that's very convenient. And uh, they go off and we get some more battle. These guys are just kicking ass as much as they can. We're getting displays of all their various powers. Uh, the shaman is doing some shamanic shit. Uh, shaman! Midnighter. Shaman! Shaman! And uh, we see the Midnighter kicking ass. As I, I mean, Midnighter is, I think, my favorite character in this whole thing. Um, and, 
Midnighter just takes out like a bunch of these guys and he's like, What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your move, Apollo. What do you got? And then Apollo is like, "Well, I'm so rusty after after a whole six months off the street that I need I need the reminding. Shut up! You whine like an old woman." There, this it says uh, Midnighter. So they're just bickering here as as uh, Apollo to show off here, I guess, to his husband calling him out or boyfriend. I'm not sure their their legal status, but he just don't rips like titles. An entire. Yeah, he just rips an entire part of the city off and all these guys fall into the river and fucking die. Um, and then this is all part of the plan, I guess, because Hawksmore yells, they're in the river, Jenny. So what does Jenny do? The, the spirit of the 21st century, the one, the master of electricity, she electrocutes all of these motherfuckers in the, uh, I don't know if it's called the London River, whatever that river in London called. Someone that's smarter. The Thames. Can tell us. Yeah, someone can, is it the River Thames? Maybe. First of all, it's pronounced Thames. Thames. At, least, at least I know that. At least I don't know that if this is that river that I know how to pronounce. There's a unique body of water there. I'm sorry I couldn't remember that. Um, there, there's a fun scene there. They seem to have killed most of them. Um, and Jenny's like, you know, get around the city, start mopping up. And uh, Midnighter comes upon this guy who's one of those guys who's still alive holding a small child. Midnighter just casually. I love this scene so much. Midnighter just says, put the child down. And the guy's like, nope, I leave alone or it dies. And Midnighter says, let me make the situation clear for you. This is kind of like Mid- Midnighter's speech he gives everyone. He says, I know what it's, it's, it's basically his Liam, his Liam Neeson in, uh, in Taken. I know what special abilities you have. I can see the enhancements. I can detect the increased electrical activity in your brain. I know what moves you're preparing to make. I've fought our fight already in my head in a million different ways. I can hit you without you even seeing me. I'm what soldiers dream of growing into. I'm what children see when they first imagine what death is like. I'm the Midnighter put the child down and you can see this guy is like now he's about to go kill this child before you know it you just see like a swoosh of air and we see midnighter holding the child and midnighter says told you so and this guy's just dead he just snapped his neck in that that quick midnighter is awesome so midnighter is basically he's like batman if batman was a machine um literally he's he's programmed and now him and 
Apollo were basically basically both created um, genetically engineered by Henry Bed- Bendix uh, to be utilized by the previous version of Stormwatch. Uh, and his, his power is that he just he he knows everything and he can calculate. He can look at someone. He can see everything. He can know all their powers and he can know how their brain works and he can anticipate their every move. So he basically cannot be defeated, at least by anything that he is remotely in a similar um, you know power level to. Um, Hawksmoor's calling out. He's like, Hawksmoor to anyone. I'm being shot at by some son of a bitch 400 feet above my head. So some of these guys are still coming. If I don't see some air support right now, I'm going to come back from the dead specifically to tell Jenny on you. And good old Apollo comes in, uh, helps save Jack Hawksmoor, uh, kills another one of these guys and rips his shirt off. And when he rips his, like his, you know, his, uh, black Superman regeneration suit off, the guy says, you tore my teleport netting. And Apollo's like, that's not all I'm going to tear it off. Where do you think you're going? The guy flies away and Jenny's like, oh, hell. And uh, they're like, you know, should we go follow this guy? And they're like, no, no, we don't want to follow him. Uh, and but before she can say any, even say anything, Apollo's gone. Apollo just flies away and chases this guy. And she she says, door. So emergency. They go into the carrier, and as they go through the door, um, the storm. Like some of these like guys are falling through the through the carrier. So awesome. Um, actually, they're falling into um, into the play okay yeah they're being teleported back to kaizen gamora where kaizen gamora just comes in and he's giving a speech to he's basically giving a speech over the loudspeaker to everyone he's saying all medical teams to the inject all medical teams to the injection field repeat all medical teams to the injection field we have wounded teleporting in crash team to injection field entrance nine morgue unit to injection i feel like i'm doing splinter from so problematic no one is to panic. No one is to be afraid. Gamora is strong. Kaizen Gamora loves all. <laughs> Last time I'm doing that voice. It hurts my throat too much. Because it's so problematic. But as soon as he, as soon as he finishes the speech where he says Gamora loves all, he says, I love no one. <laughs> as soon as he turns off the thing, he's like, yeah, I love no one. He's like, there should have been no one to interrupt this London operation. There is no one who operates on my scale. I must protect my people while I consider. Draw the, the curtains over Gamora Island. And um, this we see this... Um, force field basically come over Gamora Island as uh, the rest of the authority is going after Apollo here. And all it's kind of cute. You know, all the, all the flying people are helping someone out. So uh, engineer is carrying Jenny sparks. Although can't she just fly in the electricity of the yeah. air or something, whatever Science. Um, swift swift is carrying Hawks more who can fly sometimes, but maybe not over the ocean because he's powered by the city. So that, that I'll buy. And I'm not sure which of the shaman mid- 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 midnighter is the one flying, but they're holding hands and flying through the air. So whatever. Everyone can fly now. But yeah, they're putting up this this um, this shield as Apollo is flying full speed at this thing. And as Apollo is flying after this guy, he just starts to disappear. And you're like, what the fuck? And then he reappears and he is like basically in this place with all this like green and liquid or something. And we hear we hear we see a voice from uh, off screen. If this were a movie off panel saying there wasn't another way to save your life. You were headed towards something harder than you are at a too high of a speed to be stopped. We're in a broken universe somewhere off the bleed. The kinetic energy of anything traveling over 100 miles an hour here gets converted into music. So I guess Apollo turns into music and it is just the doctor. So this this doctor, the shaman, um, he did some dimensional shit and pulled Apollo into this weird area that exists, this interdimensional zone that exists between the bleed to, to prevent him from going headfirst into this shield and killing him. So that was very nice. Nice move from the shaman there. 
Um, uh, he's like, and, and Apollo's like, thanks, dude. Well, are you going to send us back now that we saved me from that? He's like, yeah, sure. So they disappear right outside, uh, right outside of the, uh, of the, the bubble uh, protecting Gamora Island here. What do you think of the scene? I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I like it. You know, it, it's, it, it's stuff like this where it's like, it, sometimes it's just so ridiculous. It's awesome. And you can't, you can't say anything otherwise. Yeah. And, uh, Jenny's like, welcome back. But you know, next time wait for the fucking order, bitch. Wait for the order, Apollo. This proves why you're supposed to listen to Jenny, your your reluctant leader. Uh, eventually, they say, "All right, well, we're done here. Let's go back." They go back to the carrier, um, and you know, Jack and Jenny have a little a little talk about. Oh no, that's not Jack and Jenny. Jack and Angela Spica have a little talk about. You know, hey, what's it like being a superhero? Kind of stuff. She's like, "Well, it's pretty crazy," but uh, and she's like, "Did Jenny Sparks always shout at everyone like that?" He's like, "Well, not on that scale. We're pretty close, but the more responsibility she gets, the louder and more horrible she becomes. She's had a weird life. I tend to forgive her a lot for that." Uh, we then go see a little conversation between uh, Jenny Sparks and Apollo, and, and and Jenny is just getting off the phone with Christine Trelane, so uh, she still is, is keeping these contacts with her former Stormwatch uh, teammates who are now part of the UN. And we're well, we're I hate to say it to the one reviewer, we are going to get political a little bit later later in the show, by the way. And uh, Jenny is saying, "Phew, we're, man, we're going to clear. We got We're going to be clear with the Russians in about ten minutes time." And Apollo's like, "You are deeply. I don't know why I'm, I think he's Russian. He's not Russian. You're deeply uncomfortable with leadership, aren't you? You're deeply uncomfortable with leadership, aren't you?" She's like, "Well, no, I don't like it. No." And he's like, "Well, interesting. Yeah, uh, you know, you you're, you part convince, part coerce me into joining what sounded like the the wet brain fantasy of an alcoholic burnout." Case. He's like, then you obtained the engineer whose existence had barely even been rumored to that date. And I still don't know how you located the doctor whom, if I understand his ranting is a magician on a planetary scale for someone who doesn't like leadership. You have a knack for building armies, Jenny. And she says, well, what can I say? When I see an unemployed majestic class superhuman with full combat training from Henry Bendix ideas occur to me. But I know she is, it does express some doubt. She's like, you know, this is all a hellish gamble for me, Apollo. But there had to be someone left to save the world. Uh, basically, you know, the governments of the world gave up. Um, you know, the Stormwatch is gone. So Jenny had to step up. And she is the spirit of the 21st century. And she says, and someone left to change it. That being her and uh, the authority. As we wrap up issue two, what are you thinking? Why couldn't the original Stormwatch be like this? I feel like there was a lot in there I probably would have liked, but now this new authority run has just really distilled the good parts. I'm I'm really liking this a lot more. Yeah, it's a lot less convoluted, a lot more direct and to the point. And I think this is the book that Warren Ellis really wanted to do in many ways but and because you know elements of of this were in the other authority uh the authority other Stormwatch, um but you could tell he was still kind of hampered by having that storm watch brand that that you know that same book that was just kind of a very standard very straightforward image type book before so i think shedding that old title shedding those old characters really reinvigorated him and and reinvigorated uh his creativity and such so that's that's my thoughts yeah, I, I could I could see that a lot more here. Um, so now we go and see uh, we are in London seeing um, it's kind of the aftermath math there as Swift and the doctor are there. And, uh, you know, Swift is saying sometimes it's not just it's not it's just not a good enough world that you can work for it without hurting people badly. You know, basically saying like because they're, they're saying like, look what happened here. Like, you know, she's because she's saying she used to be a pacifist. They're like, well, you know, and she realized like sometimes you just got to hurt people because there's a ton of people hurt here. I mean, like like hundreds of people are dead and hurt. But, you know, they did save the day, but they had to 
crack a few eggs, crack a few heads to get it done. So, you know, she is not a pacifist anymore. She is no longer a monk. She is a winged warrior instead. And uh, she does hear something as her and the doctor uh, are investigating what they're hearing. And, uh, he says, well, bugger me. They find a couple people. So uh, Jenny was able to use her. I guess she has some hooper, super hearing or something. They found a couple people buried and, and saved them. And uh, moving along, we go back to the carrier tacking into the bleed su- superposed channel between alternate universes. Um, yeah, that's where this carrier lives. It's, it's a weird thing, this carrier. And we don't really find out all about it in this, but um, we will learn more about it. Like they say, they think it's alive, but they're not sure. All seems kind of weird, but. Um, they, yeah, we go back and Apollo and uh, Jenny are still talking and, you know, Apollo's like, look, this brings me back to Gamora Island. He's like, and she's like, will you just shut up about Gamora Island? You moaning punch. What a word punch. And Apollo's like, well, what are we going to do about that force field around it? He's like, he wants to go in there and, and kick some ass. Like Apollo is rapidly wanting to go back and destroy Gamora Island again. And, and, uh, Swift's like, is he still going on about this with the force field thing? She's like, yeah, it's like working with me. She said, it's like working with me, bleeding mum or something. And then we hear a call. Jenny, this is Jack. Angie and I are in the map room. Come and find us. They go down, and uh, this is where basically um, Angela and Jack Hawksmore have figured this whole thing out. They have figured out that when they put those two dots together and lay it over the Earth, it does create the the beginnings of this image, this circle with the three dots, and they see that the third dot is right over Los Angeles. So they now know that Los Angeles is the next target for Kaizen Gamora. Thank God I got out of there before before all this went down. And uh, Kaizen Gamora is watching all these superheroes and he's basically just figured like, he's like, who are these? Who the fuck are these people? Like they're all superhuman. Where did they come from? I know the one Jennifer Sparks, the English woman, a creature of electricity, almost a century old, most recently, most recently leader of the Stormwatch covert warfare team. And this one idiot is like, but Stormwatch no longer exists, boss. Why is she doing what's she doing over Gamora? And he's like, that's the American Jack Hawksmore and Shenley Min of Tibet also later Stormwatch. I don't know the others. They were in London. They are operating against us. I wonder why. Got a video call from New York, and you know he's getting a little Zoom call here from the United Nations, including their emissaries, our friends Jackson Hyde and Christine Trelane. And they're basically like, "Dude, what do you want, Kaizen Gamora? What's your deal? Why are you causing all this terrorism?" And he just laughs. He's like, "Ha ha ha ha! I am Kaizen Gamora, father and fine." I said I wasn't going to help. You can you can stop. You you like really? You gave a valiant effort. And now well, it's see now, now I'm kind of into it. It's it's just so problematic. <laughs> I don't care. Now I'm into it. <laughs> I am Kaizen Gamora, father and final brother of the clan Gamora, ruling family of Gamora Island. What do you think I need? <laughs> Two years ago, Stormwatch did me a great unkindness. In retaliation for an act of business perpetrated upon the British Isles, hundreds of my people were murdered. I've spent two years building the world's reward for daring to harm Gamora. First Moscow, then London, and then... <laughs> and they're like, act of business? You were a terrorist. That was terrorism. And they responded to terrorism. They're like, well, yeah. Um, but you responded to terrorism with terrorism. So how are you any better than me? And frankly, he kind of has a point. Um, but yeah, Gamora says, yes, it was an act of terrorism. Gamora is built on terrorism. And the UN guy's like, why? He says, because I can. Because I am a wolf in a world of sheep. Because terror is the blood of life and its guiding principle. I have no politics and this is crazy i have no politics to espouse through my terror no ideals to force through and as he does this he waves for this like you know geisha woman to come over 
And as he's talking, he slowly, with his big sharp nail, carves this same symbol in her face with the three dots in the circle as he says terror is its own reward your missiles and bombers mean nothing to me my terror has shown you that Gamora is the one true superpower on earth that's why as he completes this slicing this woman's face off basically who doesn't move doesn't react doesn't respond he says i am not finished my mark is not yet cut when it is then you should all know that i own the planet what a fucking bastard this guy is jeez I mean, hard hard to battle an enemy that you can't negotiate with because he has no goal other than to destroy the stuff. So we head on. We go back to the carrier uh, and the carrier again. This one is they, they always describe the carrier and what it's dealing, doing. It says sailing the outer oceans of idea space during the spawning season, keeping pace with the school of obsession fish. So there's like there's like a very like Neil Gaiman aspect too to some of this stuff like this carrier lives in this sort of interdimensional area where there's things like obsession fish and you you calculate time in terms of dreams it's just it's weird and wild stuff and we go and they're having a little board meeting and jenny's like all right we need to be in los angeles we need to know what the hell gamora is up to more to the point if we can stop him attacking la in the first place well that would probably be a good thing and he she says jack's probably the best suited to what i'm thinking but i need him in la just in case so midnighter you're going in. So Midnighter is being sent to Gamora past their force field. Uh, they're going to use that teleportation door to try to get him in there uh, um, undetected, basically. Um, so that that is the plan. That's at least part of the part of the plan that we know about. And he, she basically says, yeah, if you need help, shout. You know, the comms should go through the force field. Right, Angie? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it should be routed through the carrier via Nandor, yes. And uh, Jenny says, see, Angie does have a proper name. Because uh, the, the joke is like, what can I, cause earlier she was like, what can I call you guys? Like, I don't want to call you guys Midnight or Apollo. They're like, no, that's our names. That's our actual names. <laughs> we're like, we were created by Henry Bendix. He never gave, never gave us names like Steve and Joe or whatever. So you have to call us Midnight or Apollo. So just a little joke there. And she's like, all right, let's do this thing. Let's get her done. And uh, basically they, they head off on, uh, oh, I guess it's sort of their, their first official mission uh, in a way. There's kind of a, a funny little scene here, which comes back later where Angela's like, hey, Jenny, you got a cigarette there? Because, you know, Jenny never stops smoking. And she says, I've only got one. And uh, Angie, Angie says, I only want one. And she just says, bitch, and gives her the cigarette. <laughs> and then we go, uh, we go to Gamora Island. We see that... Midnighter has, in fact, made it to Gamora. He attacks this uh, first security guard that yeah, that he sees. But, of course, the super security guard is one of the superpower guys, so the kick to the face doesn't do all that much. He says, I'm the police detachment from Kaizen Gamora's superhuman strike force, and I really don't think you're supposed to, to hit me. <laughs> and then we then go and see that the rest of the gang um, is showing up in Los Angeles. And right as they're arriving... Instead of saying, fuck me, because I guess you can't say that in, in DC Comics, Jenny says, stone me, as we get a huge splash page of all these hundreds of these fucking Asian regenerating black suit Superman guys coming down. And we end with Jenny saying hundreds of the sods. Sods? Maybe it's supposed to say SOBs? I'm not sure. Maybe that was a typo. Or maybe sod is a word in, in England. And British fans, if you're still here, <laughs> let, let me know. She says, Gamora mustn't, must have kept, well, Christ, look at them, must have kept a battalion of the sods in reserve. And she says, I wish I had a cigarette. As we wrap up this penultimate issue of this four-issue run, how are you feeling going into the finale here, Remzo? I'm liking everything I'm seeing so far. Definitely a, a very different vibe than the previous Stormwatch. Uh, less characters, more streamlined, more straightforward story, but still with the same kind of level of uh, political intrigue, I guess you could say. Uh, like, I, I want... 
And, and this is my criticism of Hickman. This is my criticism of Grant Morrison. Don't tell me how smart you are by making the reader feel dumb all the time. Write a good yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think writers like Warren, Warren Ellis, not as much. I feel like Grant Morrison and a little bit of Scott Snyder and definitely a lot more of Neil Gaiman. Sometimes they just want you to feel like you're not as smart as them because <laughs> they've made something so complicated. We're not getting that here, at least at least not at this point. Um, we start issue four in Gamora as Midnighter is battling the security guy. He's like, identify yourself. How did you dodge my strike? You cannot be that fast. And we get another Midnighter speech and I'm just going to read it because I love these every time. He says, oh, I, I, can, I, can, I can be that fast and what's more, I know what you're going to do next. I've already played this fight in my head a million times from each and every angle. You think your Kaizen Gamora's Pretty damn good. I know. I know you think that. But my talents were built in by Henry Bendix, the biggest bastard on earth, and trained by five years living rough and fighting on the streets of America. I won this fight before you even turned up. Then this guy, his hands start glowing. He comes after him, and Midnighter just knees him in the gut, knees him in the face, and just fucking kills this guy. I don't know if he actually dies, but he, he fucked him up good. Let's put it that way. And then uh, he looks out and says, well from here to there then and looks up and he, we see Gamora tower, which is clearly marked by that same as, as this is, you know, instead of having contracts, instead of having to sign leases, you just put that symbol on things and it's yours. So that, that's how Gamora, Gamora property rights work. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's going to head right to the source, right to the heart of Gamora tower, where presumably all these guys are coming from. We then head and we see these guys, we head to Los Angeles where we see these, Black regenerative clone Superman guys coming down ready to cause destruction. But luckily the authority is already there and we get to business. But first the doctor, she says, Jenny's like doctor, doctor. And he's like, he's there physically, but he's not really there. Where is he? He is in the astral plane or whatever they call it here. The dream space, something like that. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the other doctor, the doctor that we saw die um, in the last Stormwatch series along. You can see all these images of like other doctors throughout the ages. So there's always a doctor and he's saying, I'm not ready for this. Look, two months ago, I was a junkie. I wanted to be a shaman, but I was just a junkie with too many books. Like I was just some guy doing DMT, man. I don't know. I can't do this. Look at these. Look at those bastards coming down. And this other doctor, uh, the old doctor says, you are the doctor. You've got millennia of dealing with threats to your village encoded in you reach inside and take it. Doctor says, this is LA. This isn't my village. I wouldn't give you a rat's ass for LA. And other older, older astral doctor says, the shaman lives outside the village. This is 1999. The world is your tribe. You are the doctor. The means exist inside you. Reach inside and take it. And then we go back and Jenny's saying, Doctor? Doctor? He's like, uh yeah, I'll do what I can. Which is he he thinks she thinks he's talking to him and he's really talking to this other, you know, shamanic doctor. And we see this big blue flashing light as all these guys get fucked up by this doctor's energy thing, whatever he just does. She's like, and Jenny's like, bloody hell, is this your idea of sorting? And this is my Alan Moore impression, it's not its way in here. Bloody hell, is this your idea of sorting magic? <coughs> Sod must be British for fuck or fucker or whatever. I know instead of having them, them beat Jenny to death, I'll turn them into 10,000 sharp pointy things and bloody chuck them at her and say, oh yeah, so this magic turns these guys into like little sharp metal objects that are raining down upon them. So he did destroy them, but um, but then 
these things come into the ground and they sprout into trees and she's like you turn them into trees he's like well yeah i had to do something with all that mass so basically he just he can change mass but he can't he can't destroy it so he just turns all of these destructive supermen into trees and then he says i feel great and he just passes out and she's like oh my god the doctor's down so basically he used like all of his energy to turn as many of these guys as he could into trees little display of the doctor's power but that was not all of them unfortunately we go and we see um apollo fighting a bunch of them they're overwhelming him um it's almost becoming too much and he's just like ah fuck it and just fucking blasts and and shoots a bunch of these guys away um we also see um the engineer uh dealing with uh, a bunch of these guys we see i mean but they just keep coming like no matter what they do more of them just keep coming and coming and coming and and you know the newer guys are kind of having you know having their their moments of doubt like um jenny or not jenny but angela the engineer is talking to hawksmore she's like i'm not a soldier jack and he says no you're an engineer you're the woman who distilled an incalculable number of intelligent devices into nine pints of liquid machinery and exchanged your blood for it you can do anything you can think of that was the point of your machines and i know you wanted to build a safer world with them but sometimes you have to fight and kick and bite for a better world angie she's like okay shut up i got it and she does some crazy energy field thing and just fucks up a bunch of these guys too uh we see swift battling a bunch of them uh hawks more whatever we see hawks more punching one of them he's always like exploding their jaw i just i just find that funny every time um we then go and midnighter is inside gamora tower communicating with jenny sparks he's saying this is the midnighter we have problems and, and he's saying look i've infiltrated gamora tower i can see the full scale of this now i just don't know how to break it he's a bioreactor he has a bioreactor pumping out superhuman clones that's how he's doubling his strike forces each time he splice superhuman traits into a selection of human genomes and just program this thing to keep on growing people at a rate accelerated past anything i've seen so he is producing these guys faster than they can even destroy them all and at this point here's a voice off panel saying selection pa and here is Kaizen Gamora himself confronting the Midnighter. He says, it is the genetic material of my dead brothers and my terrifying and beautiful mother. <laughs> my terrifying and beautiful mother deceased these last gray 30 years. They were forced to pay for the purity of Gamora with their blood. Now I give them back their glory. They scar the world for me. Well, now what do we have here? An American superhuman in Gamora Tower. Don't you know where you are, boy? This is Earth's terminal point. Here is where the world revolves from. Midnighter just says, where the world turns. You've just given me a good idea. Door. Gamora says, interesting. A door opens. Midnighter pops out through the door, jumps back into the carrier where he sees the doctor. And the doctor's, he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? What happened to you? He's like, oh, I just reforested Los Angeles. And he's like, okay. Ask a stupid question, get a stupid answer, I guess. And he yells, carrier, can you hear me? God, how did you do this again? Uh, carrier. And he's like trying to talk to the carrier. He's like, carrier, I, uh, I need you to move. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. We then go back. <clears throat> I'm just gonna get man. That's that, what that you thing get from doing, doing that problematic voice. When you do the problematic voice, do problematic voice. They have problematic problems. And um, Jenny says, "Do we? You know, we just electrocuted, electrocuted another wave of these guys." But I think LA's power grid's being hit, so she's losing her power because she sucks out electricity. So she's like, "Midnighter, if you can hear us, we need an update fast." And he's like, "Oh, uh, I'm just taking the carrier out for a spin." She's like, "What?" He's like, yeah, he's got a bioreactor two miles long. He's got a mass teleport system and I can't break either of them. And you're all too busy. So I had to do some shit myself. All I can do, Jenny, is hit things until they don't work anymore. That was the skill that was built into me. Gamora's tower is too big and hard for me to hit. So, you know, it's like my father once said, hit the soft parts with your hand, hit the hard parts with a utensil. As we see, 
everybody at Gamora Island looking up in the sky. Well, suddenly they see the fucking carrier. It appears right there above Gamora Island. And he says, if anyone's interested, that farting sound was Gamora's force fields bursting. So he's using the carrier to burst through the force fields, protecting Gamora Island. And he just brings this carrier and is driving it. I imagine killing fucking hundreds of thousands of people here because they see they show people running as everything is just destroyed. So, again, this authority is not restrained necessarily by any certain overall moral moral restraint of any kind uh and uh, we just see kaizen gamora staring at this thing from his tower as it's coming right at him and he says i only wanted to have some fun when we go to midnight or has this crazy smile on his face as he is destroying this tower and he just says i love being me and we see a full splash page of of gamora tower being destroyed by the carrier we go back to los angeles we see eh, all sorts of destruction and such we see a bunch of these things dead Swift is like, did we win? And Apollo shows up. He's like, yeah, all clear aerially. Central Park's a mess, but we, we contain it pretty well. And this is, you know, when this issue comes up again, because, you know, Shen Lee was actually one of the voices against uh, what had happened with Takaisen Gamora a couple of years ago. She was like, are we any better than him? So there's, I like there is some consistency with the characters here that she is now the one, once again, bringing up the issue. And she's saying, you know, how many people do you think we killed? And um, Hawksmore's like, how many people would have died if we hadn't been here? You know, it's not a great answer, I know, but it's the best there is. We saved more people than we killed. And uh, Jenny's like, well, that'll do it for me. We, we managed something else too i just spoke to jackson king and christine trelane they're going to scramble aid agencies into gamora and a team of united nations inspectors now this is this is where we're gonna get political Remzo says so it'll be a un team not a single country that'll find gamora's bioreactor and teleport system it'll be the un holding ways of mass producing human tissue from dna scrapings the un holding a revolutionary mass transit system and they'll know we know they have it so give it five or ten years of testing and building and building and well the world will be a better place and we hear just as we wrap up this is a priority transmission via the United Nations building in New York City, breaking across all commercial and private frequencies in all languages. This is Jennifer Sparks speaking for the authority. You are not alone. You want to get political before I go into the review? Yeah. We saw this in the last issue, too. This is Warren Ellis inserting his politics into this, which I actually don't have a problem with. I don't. I actually don't mind when creators put their politics in, as long as it's consistent and makes sense for the story. And I don't actually have a problem with it here, either. But he is clearly putting forward this, oh, if we just give all the power to the world government, if we just give all the power to the UN, that would be fine. It's only when they have these other nations doing things, and that's where there's a disaster. But we take the same power, the same technology, give it to the UN, that's how that's how things will work out great. And I, I just the only thing I don't like about it is is that it makes Jenny Sparks seem kind of lame to me that she's like, you know, she's the one who's this independent person taking on this authority and, and trying to protect people. But now she's like, well, things will be better if we just give all this to the U.N. I thought that was kind of a dumb soliloquy for Warren Ellis to just be putting onto her. It, that part doesn't seem um, so much in what should be her character. It seems more like just Warren Ellis pasting his politics on the end of the story, which is really my only criticism of the writing of this, to be honest, because, because I, I love it in general and I don't really have a problem with it, but it did, it did take me out of it a little, especially to end on that speech. It's like, and, that, and that's the end of our story is this fucking speech about the UN. But what do you think? The UN is totally going to end up having some nonprofit agency come in who will end up absolutely trafficking Gamoran children. <laughs> That's in uh, Stormwatch Volume 5 by Remzo Martinez. <laughs> the Clinton Foundation is providing aid to Gamora. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to all the children? <laughs> 
Where did they go? What do, what do you think of this run? I liked it way better than Stormwatch in, in both story, yeah, in both story <laughs> and artwork. Helps that it's four issues, not fourteen yeah. too, that, that we're looking Big at. Big difference. I don't know how I ever, how the fuck did I ever did that? It's insane. Ah, oh, but yeah, but, but uh, you want to give you want to give me your your breakdown here? You know, th- this reminds me a lot of the last JLA story we did. It's a globe trotting adventure, pretty pretty linear, but you got a lot of good characterization. I- I'm gonna be flat on both. I'm gonna say, you know, story gets a gets a seven point five, artwork gets an eight. I'm giving it. I'm sorry, no. No, that's not how we do scores. I'm sorry. I had a complete, like, you know, mental breakdown for a moment. It must be the 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 chemicals in the air um, as soon as I said anything negative about the U.N. I'm giving the artwork a 3.5, and I'm also going to give... I'm sorry. I'm going to give the story a 3.5, and I'm going to give the artwork a 4 for a total score of a 7.5 out of 10. All right. Not not too shabby. And yeah, uh, I, I'm going to give the art, let's see, I'm going to give the art a 4. I like Brian Hitch's art. I don't think this is his best art. Some of the some of the work seemed, I don't know, just maybe lacking some detail, but this, this is a minor criticism. I mean, a 4 is a very good story, and I, I really did enjoy the art of this, uh, much as I did those last few issues of Stormwatch where, where he took over. So I have enjoyed his art. It just, it's, it, it really fits the story to, to me, the, the art here. Um, and the story, again, this is very good. I really enjoyed the story from Warren Ellis, not his best work, but it's very straightforward. And with like sort of, I don't know, the politics is in the background to, until that last page. I'm taking off a half for him. I was going to give it a four. The speech took me out of it. So I'm going to be right there with you. 3.5 on Warren Ellis's writing for a total of a 7.5 here. Uh, brings it to a total SPC score of 15 for this authority run that's pretty good though i mean that that's still you know it's just below must read but it's in like if you're into this kind of thing definitely check it out zone if you if you're looking for a book that's different from the regular superhero genre stuff you've done and i know last week we did uh still water and you know the week before that we did that uh moon knight episode which was very different from a lot of the other books that have been put up by marvel recently all three of these books are, are couldn't be more different from each other really so we're getting some good variety yeah here. i mean i mean this is this is gonna add some flavor to your library and i think you'll really enjoy it so if you've wanted to get a new book and you just don't know where to start i mean look back a good 20 years you got something good right here indeed indeed and uh yeah so with that being said uh i think that's about all we got of course as always don't forget there are many ways to help us out one is of course to support us on patreon patreon.com slash second print pod where you can currently hear moon knight recaps with remzo and not Derek franz not caleb caleb gordon not Derek franz i hope they're listening to this <laughs> not Derek franz not caleb gordon uh you will hear the moon knight recaps you'll also get what mark missed where i cur- i'm currently trudging valiantly through the ultimate fantastic four through the, the rough patch anyway and i hope it's just a patch I, I really hope it's just a patch um but that's all i got remzo what about you folks as always we can't rely on the un to save the world but there's one thing you can do to help it and it's read comics and change the world and change the world good night america you're not alone adios When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. 
like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.